Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone. Welcome to episode number 203 with the podcast. Brooke Neal, all the way from NZ. How are you today? I'm great, thanks, Dale. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Now, I, we did have a little chat before and I know that uh, Tokyo Olympics are off, but as of today, how lucky are you? Because you were supposed to be at the opening ceremony of the Tokyo 2020, but instead you get to be on the podcast. Is that like the best result ever for COVID? <laughs> yeah, I was saying to you, it's ironic because literally today, I just keep getting all these pop-ups from people who are posting, you know, one year to go today for them um, because they're still going and I've obviously retired. So, I mean, that's for me. Yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, I should be standing with the flag right now with my blazer on, but instead I get to talk to you. So how good. <laughs> Sorry to rub that in, but I, I love bringing this up, stuff like this, because you are so positive about it. And I think that's really all you can do at the moment, isn't it? Honestly, I think I have to have like a 90 second rule. If I notice myself in a really negative state, it's like I give myself 90 seconds. And then if I'm not out of it, then it just <laughs> keeps going. So I'm like, yeah, I'll give myself. And then, right, okay, what can I do? <laughs> I, and, and I think yeah. that's why this is great. The more people that hear this energy and, and the way to, I suppose, move on. And, and that's what you're doing essentially in 90 seconds is you're like, yes, this may not be ideal, may not what I've planned, but this is where I'm at, isn't it? Totally. It's like you either focus on what's missing or, you know, what's here. You focus on what you can control, what you can't control, and or you focus on the present and the future of the past. And it's like you have complete, you, you can control that. So for me, it's just like, well, where am I at all the time? And if I'm always living with what's missing and what I can't control and maybe in the future, it's like, not going to have a very good life. <laughs> It's not, it's not going to be good, is it? So let's, Brooke, let's yeah. paint the picture for my listeners. Uh, I've got a lot of listeners in New Zealand. I love coming over. I think it's the most amazing place in the world. And you did so well with COVID, let's be honest. You absolutely destroyed it. Um, do you want to paint the picture of your background and give everyone a little bit of an idea who Brooke Neal is? Yeah, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'd start with um, my, my journey into the high-performance world of sport. So, um, yeah, when I was 21 years old, I was selected for the New Zealand Black Sticks women's hockey team. And so that was, yeah, that literally took up my entire sort of 20s. I'm now 28, uh, to 29, and, um, and that's been my world for, for nine years. And so, yeah, I guess it's been one of roller coasters. Like we, yeah, I, I went from like a battler in the team, you know, like a, I think my nickname was Baby Giraffe because I was, I'm quite tall. I'm six foot and I'm like really gangly, you know? So I'm like trying to make tackles on the field. Yeah, yeah. I just embraced it because, you know, I was making all these unorthodox tackles and I wasn't textbook at all, but I, I somehow managed to pull it together. Um, and so that was my yeah, start and I was bench warmer and all of that and really fought and fought and had lots and lots of setbacks and issues and troubles and injuries and you name it, I've, I've been there. Um, but yeah, we went to the 2016 Rio Olympics and so that was really special, but we ended up coming fourth. So it's like the cruelest position ever invented, oh. I think. Um, <laughs> that's all yeah, like the, so, first, the first sort of loser of a non-medal, isn't it? Like that's exactly, so close. Yeah. I know, Sorry, we I smashed Aussie. <laughs> we actually, we smashed Aussie in the quarterfinals and it was just the best feeling. So like at least, you know, at least. <laughs> you took something away then, from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so from there, you know, we were building to the 2018 Commonwealth Games, which is actually in, um, in Australia. 
uh, in the Gold Coast. And we ended up smashing Aussie in the final again and, uh, and won the gold medal. So that was probably a highlight for me, being able to... Because no, no New Zealand hockey team's ever won gold before at the Com Games. And so that was a huge achievement for us. Um, yeah, and then fast forward to today, uh, I've sort of missed out a bit about my business growing along the background. But in terms of hockey, um, when COVID hit, you know, we were fully on training to be at the at the Tokyo Olympics for today and I made the really tough tool to, tough call to walk away and retire so that was a really big decision for me probably the biggest I've made um, and really hard but I knew that it was what was right for me and and time for me to actually go and experience other things and grow my business and you know yeah discover life without hockey and without a schedule and you know being away for almost 200 years uh, 200 days of the year for nine years, you just don't really, uh, now I've got like so much, for, well, you could call it free time, but I'm obviously <laughs> working on my business, but I can, I can say yes to things, you know, which is awesome. Um, and so that's where I, I've landed today. Yeah. Love that. Love that. And we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to your business because I'm, I'm really excited about that. But that's a massive call, you know, retiring before the age of 30. Um, how, how long did that take to make that decision? Because that's a massive decision. Yeah, well, do you know what's funny is, have you ever felt that, you know, like, you know, in your gut, like straight away, and often I think we don't listen to that enough, and, you know, you push through and you do it for other people and you have all these excuses and whatever, and I think in the past I've definitely done that, um, but this time, you know, I was sitting in lockdown and what, what else have you got to do but think, you know? So <laughs> it's like you got, <laughs> here I am just like crossing out my entire schedule being like, nope, don't have anything, you know, <laughs> sleeping until 10 a.m. Like, what have I got to do? <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, and so I guess when I was sitting there and, and I'm, I'm very big of, you know, not trying to get all everyone else's input before I have listen to what I've got to say um, and so I really was faced with that and um, for me you know I mean 28 is quite young um, to retire but in the same sense playing for I've been playing since I was three years old um, hockey is not a kind sport to the body Ooh, definitely <laughs> you're, not. you're bent over sideways you know and twisting and for me being six foot it's a bit longer to bend down and I also do something called drag flicking which is you know like you sort of I can't even explain it, but yeah, you push through the ball to try and score a goal and it's really a lot of rotation. And so for me, I've, I've battled quite a few injuries over the years and I, I, that was part of my decision is that longevity and wanting to have that, you know, throughout. Um, but at the same time, like that sort of ready to move, move on and move forward with life, which, yeah, I mean, we had so many plans and, um, and if I, I knew that I'd be doing a disservice to the girls and the rest of the team if I kept going when my heart's not in it for the for the next year and yeah and as soon as I made that decision I knew it was the right one because you know my yeah my whole state changed because I was now in control of yeah my life I guess yeah I, I, I love that I think that's really fascinating because I'm sure you would have had a lot of people question that and say what are you doing you're in the primary life how hard was it to back just back yourself in and go no this is what I want because I see a lot of people like that and, and they sort of settle like, I've got a good job and the pay's good, so I'll just let it ride out, you know, and, and people say, oh, no, you need to stick at it for all different reasons. Mm. But you've obviously, I can guarantee there would have been people saying, what are you doing? How, how hard was that to just back yourself in, Brooke? 
Yeah, it was so interesting. I actually, to be fair, didn't get, um, and if I did, it was from someone who doesn't even know me. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. everyone, um, and I guess the, the people whose, whose opinion I treasure the most, um, they all were just so positive and they knew me and they knew that, you know, that this was my time. And when I ended up telling my, my fiance Cam and then my mum and dad, they all were like, yeah, we knew that you'd come to that decision. But it's, it's great that I came to that instead of them saying. Um, and then I guess, yeah, to your point about like backing yourself and having that trust. Um, yeah, when you, when you get put in that situation, um, I think, you know, it's almost like that thing, like lions don't lose sleep over the opinion of sheep. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> <Okay>. like, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so I'm like, you know what, like if, you know, if, if there's people out there that have something negative to say, then they obviously don't know me and, and I don't need to, to, to trust, you know, what that, what they've got to say. Um, and I think there's always going to be a time where you're questioning what to do, but deep down, you know, it's just a matter of, I think, doing it. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say, but like, it's, it, it was, it would have been easier for me to stay in it. Right. Yeah. But like, sometimes like when you look at it, it, it sort of might feel like a bit of a cop out where you're, you know, at that level. And then, but, but for me, it was actually like the hardest thing. Um, and so for me, it was just about having a plan, like knowing that I wasn't just going to retire and then have no nothing. And, you know, cause I think often when you have these big events, you schedule lots of free time and you don't put anything into the calendar afterwards. Right. And that's why like post Olympic depression is real. Um, and you have these things where it's just like you're, you're building so long for this goal and then it happens or it doesn't and then you've got nothing. Um, you know, and you might go on holiday, but, you know, you don't have a clear purpose or direction. And so that I was very um, mindful of in the last four years since I launched my business to set myself up for this day where I can fully commit to the next level for me. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's really important that, you do have a purpose and that's what I hear from a, like people that I know that have played sport at the high level that you need to have something else at the end because you go from, as you said, having the last nine years of your life completely planned out, schedule, traveling, playing, everything like that. And then it just sort of all finishes and you, you're not required anywhere and you, and you don't have people like relying on you. So um, I want to get back to that. But one thing I do want to know, what was the Olympics like? What was Rio like? Just <laughs> if you could summarize it in a couple of minutes, book, what was the experience like? I know you didn't win a medal, but just being an Olympia, what, a, what an amazing achievement. Well, I think the biggest thing for me was you just get so excited when you walk in the village and you're with 10,500 other athletes who are, you know, the Rafa Nadals and the Serena Williams and the, you know, you've got these athletes and you're seeing them in the village when you're eating food. And it's like, I, I'm here. Starstruck. Star yeah. And it's, and it's like, we, you know, we're, we're here, but we're on the same, you know, we're here because we've deserved it and, and um, we're here to compete. But uh, yeah. And the pressure I think that comes with performing at the Olympics was something that I absolutely loved. It was freaking scary like you know you're walking out of the tunnel and you're like if I make well I, this, I train my mind not to think this by the way but you could be you know if I make a mistake then I could cost us a medal at the Olympics and so like having that pressure and you know choosing to like break through that and know that I'd done the mental skills training to be able to cope with that pressure that was like yeah it was in my element because those are the moments that you actually play for. You don't you don't play to play like Papua New Guinea, no disrespect, but you know, and win twenty nil. You yeah. you play to play, you know, the Dutch, which are the best team in the world, 
at the Olympics in front of, you know, the whole world to see. So, but at the same time, it's funny because there's, you probably saw heaps in the media about Zika and the unfinished um, village buildings and everything was a bit unorganized and a bit of a shambles. Um, and my, my room actually at the Olympics, it wasn't quite finished. It was, the, uh, um, they put an extra room in the kitchen pantry. So I had like a pantry as a room Harry Potter. and I walked in. It was, it was like, it was like midnight when we arrived and I was so excited to be there. And you know, they talk about Zika, but the window was missing because they hadn't been able to put it in yet. So it was just a hole and it had like a mozzie and like bless our New Zealand team, you know, our support team, they'd done everything they could to make us feel. So they'd taped, um, you know, that they, they, like they'd taped the mozzie net on, but there was still hundreds of mosquitoes in my room. So I was oh. like, this is my first experience in the village <laughs> and I'm having to get this duct tape and like tape up my window. So at the same time, you know, we were hands-on Kiwi style. We were like, you know, just get on with it. Because um, there were a lot of, I think, Australians as well complaining, you know. <laughs> I like the little digs here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, nah, nothing could bother us. Because, I mean, it's like you're not there for that, you know. You're, and, yeah, you're there for, for, the, for everything else. And absolutely amazing experience. And that's why, like, you know, I... I did another four years to really push to go to the Olympics. And at the same time, I think it says a lot, me like stepping away that I know it's, it's not all about just one experience. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really blessed that I've been to one. Um, and yeah, let's pretend we're at the next ceremony. Yeah, holding the flag right now. So yeah. did, did you really want to just go to another Olympic so you could have an actual window in the village on your room? Is that, <laughs> is that, is that the real reason, Brooke? <laughs> Do you know what's funny is the closing ceremony for Rio was the open, you know, so that Japan get to come to the closing ceremony and give their sort of, this is what it's going to be like. And it was just mind blowing. They had robots and they had like freaking, I don't even know, virtual reality stuff. And we were in the closing ceremony um, in ponchos because it was raining. And I was like, Japan. Yes, this is it. <laughs> the girls actually went to, to Japan um, this time last year to do like a simulation period and I was injured at the time. But they said, yeah, there were like um, robots that would come to their room and have like fresh bottled water that, that the robots would open and be like, hello, good morning, here's your... <laughs> It's next, actually another planet. Next yeah. level. I, I was actually in yeah. Tokyo in uh, January and the, you could just see Olympic stuff everywhere and they're all talking about it. And like everything was done, ready to go. Um, and it would have been amazing. So now obviously they've postponed it and we won't keep talking about the Olympics. We want to get on to everything else. But they've yeah. postponed it. But what's, what's your actual honest opinion? 2021, like with everything going on, I can't see international travel even being accepted or allowed. Like even in Japan, which is probably the safest, best organized country in the world. Like what's your opinion on the whole thing, Brooke? Look, I mean, I think at the start of COVID, everyone had their own opinion. And it's like, you just have no idea because only the president of the Olympic Committee and only the prime ministers of our country have any actual say and control. So I think it's really hard when you, you know, look at that. And, I, and that's why I think it's really smart that a lot of teams are just saying, look, we're focusing on what we can control and it's our training. Um, because if you get too caught up in that, it actually, like, it impacts everything that you do and your mindset and just becomes really hard and bit down. So, I mean, who knows? Um, and But for, for me, um, you know, having, I've got really close friends in the team, I think it's been a really tough time for everyone. There's, there's even sports that haven't even had their qualifiers yet. Luckily, we've qualified. Our team is qualified. Um, 
but you still have to be selected on that team, obviously. But some people are still trying to train so that they can qualify. And they were at their peak when COVID hit and their qualifying event were a few weeks away. And you really, I think it's like 70% of athletes still have to qualify to be, to, to go to the Olympics. Yeah. So wow. And that's, still all, that, and that's still all unknown, isn't it? Like they've got to qualify for something that may not even be approved or go ahead. Like it's just a really strange time, isn't it? Yeah, never again. It will never happen again. It's it's amazing. Yeah, mm, to be a part I'm of sure this is. time. <laughs> so true. So, if you, last thing about your obviously glittered career, it would it be playing in Olympics or winning winning you know gold um, at the Gold Coast? What what's probably the one highlight or the one thing you look back on one day and just go that was that was amazing. Yeah, it's funny because um, I'm very. Um, I love to win, obviously, I'm very competitive. That's why, you know, I was in it for so long and wanting to push for those results. But when I was um, emailing the girls and my team to say that I was retiring and it was quite an emotional time, um, I did like a highlight of each year, sort of a package. And I was like, you know, I want I want to, these are my highlights. And um, it was funny reflecting back, one of the girls was calling me afterwards and they said, do you know what I love about those highlights is that not one of them was on the field. You know, so it's like, it's the times that I had with the team um, afterwards, you know, the, the stupid little stuff. And it's funny, <laughs> I think we often forget those along the way. Um, and yeah, yeah, you do play for those big matches, like I could easily, you know, say the Com Games um, and the Olympics and all of that, that stuff. But I think there's those moments where it's like, you, I don't know, a tiny second where you're just completely in a, in a flow state where you make like a miraculous pass on the field if I'm talking about on-field stuff. And then it's the off-field as well. Like, you know, you get to travel the world, like 20-something, you know, different countries and get to um, meet, you know, immerse yourself in these cultures. You get to taste the foods and, you you know, even though you're in the hotel and the bus a lot of the time, it's like, well, what, when else in, in your life are you going to get paid, not much, but paid to, yeah. uh, <laughs> to go to, you know, to go and experience that and, and have those, um, yeah, those times with your, with some of your closest friends, you get to go and, on, on your off day and, you know, see the uh, whatever in Barcelona, you know, the La Grada, Le, yeah, the, the whatever it is. Yeah, I know the one. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. the name of it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, those are my highlights. Yeah. Nice. I really like that. And and one thing you just mentioned there that obviously you don't get paid much. You do get paid to travel the world and the experiences and connections you've had. How much has women's sport changed in those nine years to know that you were part of the, the Black Sticks? Have, have you seen a huge difference? Because I just look around the world now, particularly just looking at Australia, like with the cricket, you know, the Big Bash and like a lot of New Zealand cricketers come over and play in the Big Bash. And then we've got like AFL and it's really changing the game. Um, how have you seen that in hockey? And, and for yourself being a part of that yeah I mean when I first made it into the team I was just stoked to get 100 bucks here and there you know so I think it like your mindset changes when you're a poor uni student to when you're like a business person and you have to pay rent in like New Zealand's most expensive suburb of Auckland and so um, I mean we've been really lucky to to progress from you know not getting paid 
like anything and just getting the the trips funded to um to getting you know somewhat of a, a salary but even then you know everyone has to either be studying to get you know an allowance or um or working part-time if anyone has a job that's that flexible mm. so that was where i quickly came up with my business idea which has been really amazing to be able to support me along the way but women's sport in general like i'm a big advocate for um you know equal equal rights and um and women actually owning their worth um, and with hockey, we're, we're very level with the men's team here in New Zealand. Um, overseas, you do get paid like a lot more in Europe to go and play. Um, and so a lot of the men and my partner and I actually went over two years ago to play a season in Europe. Um, and that's always, you know, a really great experience. But I, if you were to say we do it for the money, it's, you know... <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that though. And, I, and I, I think that's brilliant. So let's talk about obviously playing as a professional, but then also building a brand and a business on the side. Um, so all about balance. Do you want to explain a little bit about this? Because I love it. I think it's fascinating and particularly focusing on female athletes and supporting them and giving them the tools so that not only they can grow on the pitch, on the field, wherever they are, but also in life. Yeah. Well, do you know what's funny, Dale, is that when I was at high school, I was like the definition of overachiever. I don't okay, know, were yeah. you the same? No, or... definitely not. Definitely no. not. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not at all, Brooke. <laughs> we are chalk and cheese but, right here. I was like, like, back. The teachers are going, oh, can you just leave school? <laughs> oh, you're like, look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> definitely no, not. That's awesome. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for no. pumping me up, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so for me, I mean, I was a talker in the class too. I got a few warnings. But for me, I was, you know, the the person, <laughs> you know, looking back now, I'm like, man, I was a geek. But, you know, like I was <laughs> getting top top grades and I was head girl at my school. Um, I was away a lot for, for sports and hockey, but I did, you know, the like orienteering and I was on the student council and, you know, all of that. And I think when outside looking in, you would have looked at me and said, like, she's going amazing and she's really, you know, she's going places and she knows what she's doing and um, she's okay. And then you have the, the kids who are clearly struggling, failing and, you know, maybe not so great environment outside of, like, outside of school. And they're the ones where the counsellors and, you know, the coaches and the teachers, they band together and say, we need to help this person. And that's definitely the case. But what I've found is, you know, like I wasn't okay and I was faking it and I was burnt out and feeling anxious and you're definitely, definitely a perfectionist trying to do it all, um, please everyone and just put on that brave face and push through it because, you know, like when you're back, when you're back then, even now, you know, it's the mindset of like, you know, you just got to toughen up and work through and persevere. And so the, when I went through this whole journey of being an, an elite athlete, I really had to tackle a lot of those um, inner thoughts and conflicts that I developed throughout my like high school life. Um, and what I found was I just kept thinking, if I could go back and tell my high school self, you know, like give her some tools. And I just, I just kept thinking like that would be pretty cool. And so I, I had a few friends um, with daughters who were that age and, and I'd sort of give them bits and pieces. And um, and then when I got back from Rio, uh, I was in this bit of a dark place, not really knowing. I took some time off to get an injury right. And uh, I went around 
for the Olympic Committee as like an ambassador to share my story, basically. Um, and it was the first time I actually had to process what coming forth meant and what I did to get to where I was just by literally going and talking to school kids. So I think I went to like 186 schools or something in wow. the space of, it was crazy. I was, it was, I was full immersion, you know, just loving it. But it's the only way to really learn and find your feet, I think. Um, just doing it. And I was sort of just made to, to do it. And then I started to find common themes. I started to really get attracted to talking to female athletes specifically. Um, and that's how All About Balance grew was actually, you know, seeing their struggles, which is even more now, if, if, I, if I'm being honest, um, with everything that's going on. And then you just got to throw COVID in there. It's like, <laughs> just sprinkle a bit of COVID around and yeah. just mix it in. <laughs> I know. And so, yeah, and so that's what I've been doing is um, my, like my mission is just to empower those young female athletes to, yeah, give them tools to be able to deal with whatever life throws at them and also help them in their competition you know how do you deal with pressure and not crumble how do you look after your body like I got my yoga teacher training um last year and so that's been a lot another little thing that I've been adding in because a lot of the time it's like you've got to change your state like you've got to change your body you've got to change your story in your head and then you give them the strategy um because I think a lot of the time it's like everyone knows what to do but it's like do you do what you know <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like you, you could find anything out online. It's all free. But it's, there's all these stories in our head that keep us from, from doing it. And it's also because we're either too tired or too anxious or we've just got to change something in our body. So I've learned, you know, I've been doing self-development, like, since I was a little kid with mum, with his with her Tony Robbins cassette tapes playing when I was going to school. And so that was my, you know, like, mindset. We actually just got back from a Tony Robbins virtual four-day workshop, which was amazing last week. So, I mean, I'm always finding ways to be better and trying to give that to these younger um, girls. So, sorry if that was quite a no, blabble, no, no. but, yeah. No, 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 that's I, I love that. So, obviously being an athlete doesn't mean that you can always get your story across and the, the i think one of the best thing if any public speakers are out there or people wanting to make a difference you need to build rapport through your story and you've got great stories and you've got runs on the board particularly you know with all you've achieved how how much of the 186 schools or whatever book did it take you to fine tune your story and the way you delivered that because as you said you could write that down and practice as much as you want but getting in front of an audience it's the only way you're going to improve isn't it Honestly, like I went from having, you know, every single word, like, you know, when you're really nervous and you're like, I just have to have it there so that if I completely crap the bed, then it's there. <laughs> um, and so, you know, so like I, I look back on some of those earlier talks, I'm just like, oh my gosh, what was I doing? Um, but, you know, like, and then you learn and, and, um, and I think for me, it probably, I'm still fine tuning like every single time um, because you just keep learning and you keep changing and adapting and, and it becomes less about me but how my my story can empower them um you know and and you know giving them tools but yeah, it takes hours and hours and hours and hours you, you can't just be overnight you know um but I think I went from like you know like a 30 minute and I was like 30 minutes, like 30 minutes? <laughs> to, to now I'm doing like full day immersions like eight hour you know like yeah, no yeah, notes yeah. or like yep. a couple of slides and, and and you go from from 30 minutes of cue cards to to that and you're like wow yeah okay <laughs> I can talk about this and it's in me now and I know it and you know yeah. I understand it's the difference between understanding it and, and actually fully knowing it and, and putting that into practice 
Mm, it's it's very similar, like you just said. It's like training for the Olympics or something, isn't it? That you need to put the effort in. You need to do the practice. You need to have the practice games before you can fine-tune it. And it's never going to be perfect. You're always going to be, you know, fine-tuning now, adding something new. And COVID comes along. So there's always different things going to be adding. I think that's the same as coaches, educators, corporates, anybody. So what when you do all this, Brooke, and you have this impact, what what's the most satisfying thing about all about balance and the impact you've had already? Oh gosh, um, I get a bit emotional talking about this because I think, like, <laughs> no, one can see, no one can see the video, just me, so that's fine. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> um, I think like when it's not often, it's, sometimes it is when I'm there delivering, you know, and you have a really special connection. But I find a lot of the, you know, that age group, it, to get them to express how they're feeling the right then and they're on the spot. I mean, I'm a miracle worker, but I'm not that good, you know? Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's not, um, it's not easy. And so often it will come in the sense of like two days later or an email or a message and it will literally, you know, or even a couple of months later, and it's 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 life changing stuff, and it's stuff where you know they they had a serious problem, and you know that day, you know, just happened. I just happened to come, and and I've sort of steered them on a different path. Um, I've had a lot of those over the years, um, and I guess that sort of never gets old when you get that direct feedback of even if I'm ch just changing one out of if I go and talk, talk to a whole school, you know, that's my job done um that's probably the most empowering thing oh of yeah. course and like and and all teachers that are listening do you know like it's not the impact that you make at the time it might be five ten years down the track or 20 years and you you see this kid later and their life's unreal and they come up and give you a hug or something like that and just say you changed my life you did this and uh it, it is you, amazing yeah. isn't it do you know my mum? So she's she's been teaching at my local, my Whangarei Girls High School. She's a dance teacher and she's been teaching for like 30, 40 years. I don't even know, 35 years. And she gets like like 50, 45 year old woman come up and give her hugs to like literally <laughs> everywhere we go. Because yeah. our, our, our hometown's quite small, but it's amazing because she did have, she does have that impact. And that, that's been like a role model for me to, yeah, yeah. I mean, teachers, I take my hat off to you. Because <laughs> I come in and like deal with these kids for an hour and I'm like, oh, that's hard work. <laughs> and it's funny because they're like, I've been trying to get them to do this, like, you know, for all this time and you come in, but it's because, you know, it's, it's maybe that I'm uh, like a little bit closer to their age or I've been to where they want to go. It's not necessarily I'm saying like something new. It's, it's all been reinvented, you know, but it's just maybe the timing and the fact that maybe they want to go to the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. You can, with everything you've done, you've got that connection and people respect you. And it's not that they don't respect a teacher, but they hear that voice all the time. And I know when I was teaching every day, now I might go back to those students for an hour and I'll have a big impact on what I did back then because exactly what you're saying. And I think that's brilliant. So for people, not only in New Zealand, because you're online and uh, particularly with what we're doing now, Zoom, you can reach anybody. So if teachers and schools are listening, Brooke, what, where's the best way to sort of reach out and find out more about All About Balance? Yeah, well, I guess um, you could go onto my website, brookneal.co.nz, um, or you could follow me on, on Instagram, All About Balance, or my private, I think it's Brookneal1. But 
yeah, I mean, I'm always sharing and I'm, I'm about to relaunch um, my online platform, which, you know, I've had a couple of hundred kids go through already, which has been great. Um, but yeah, just taking that to the next level to be able to really um, deliver online is, is where, where it's headed. So I guess, yeah, for parents, <laughs> like my mum, she used to say to me that, uh, like, if she wanted me to know anything, she would get someone else to tell me that I, yeah. you know, like, like someone that's cool or whatever. And, and, she, and I was like, oh, that's right. You know, and you can get the dots yeah. back to something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that's me. So I'm like, I can be that person, you know. <laughs> so, so the parents are like, yeah, I mean, it, it's so funny. It's like you'd think that if, if you – if you said it in the right way, then they might listen. But sometimes you just got to have someone else. <laughs> You've got to have someone cool like Brooke. And that, I think that's exactly. Now, I want to finish on one thing. And guys, listening, 203, if you go to energetic.education, click on the podcast, episode 203, and I'll have all of those links so you can reach out to Brooke and find out more and get it come to school, chat, Zoom, all around the world, do all of this. Um, who is Brooke Neal at Instagram? Why have you got the one? Have you? Are you really disappointed that – someone's taken your handle and you've got to have the one. That's because I'm number one. I'm number one. Brooklyn one. <laughs> Do you actually know that person? No, I don't. I'd have to go well, back and look. I think yeah. we, need to, we need to reach out to this person and have a chat. All right, but, all right. <laughs> uh, Brooke, thank you so much for being on the show today. And, and not only that, I think um, sharing your story, I, uh, uh, like I said, storytelling is the ultimate way to deliver, to get a message, anything across. Um, and I really appreciate your time today and coming on the show. And if teachers are out there, and your school, reach out. Get Brooke on a Zoom call and we can go anywhere in the world. She does all of that. Uh, so, Brooke, once again, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Love what you're doing. <laughs> See you guys.